Well, we've been talking about Jesus' last words from the cross. And it's interesting to me that the Gospels of Luke and John, they each record three unique statements from Jesus from the cross. But the Gospels of Matthew and Mark record only one. And it might be because that particular word is so moving that they felt that it was all that was needed to be said. While this word that we're going to talk about this morning is probably the most familiar, uh, it's also probably the most disturbing, and it might be the one that's most misunderstood. We're talking about this moment of deep pain and desperation where Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's clear from this word that it's a moment of deep pain and anguish that Jesus feels abandoned by God here. He no longer feels the presence of God that he had experienced his entire life. And so in this terrifying moment, Jesus feels alone. And there are people around him at the same time. There are people at the cross who he loves and people that loved him. And yet this moment of pain and anguish, Jesus feels abandoned by his heavenly father. And here's what I think makes this scene so powerful. It's in this moment that Jesus feels exactly what you and I feel. Because there are times when all of us feel abandoned. There are times when all of us feel alone. And maybe today, as you're hearing this message, you're thinking, yeah, I'm feeling that right now. But if you haven't experienced that kind of feeling yet, there will come a time in your life when you will. There will come a time when you will cry out to God and ask, God, why have you forsaken me? God, where are you in the midst of my pain and anxiety? I think most of us have already experienced those kinds of dark moments, and and maybe some of us, as I said, are experiencing that right now. But it happens when we finally face the reality of our sin, and we have to confess that everything in our life seems out of control. And it's in the midst of that confusion that we wonder, God, where are you? For some of us, that comes in the diagnosis of a terminal illness. We feel isolated. We feel alone. We wonder where God is. For some, that dark valley comes when we see jobs and investments and everything we've worked for disappear. And we ask ourselves, God, where are you in the midst of economic crisis? For some, it comes in the midst of depression or when we come to term with abuse and bullying and when we feel unworthy. For some, it comes in the midst of accidents or unexpected tragedies. It's in all these kinds of moments that we cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because pain and loss bring these types of questions. We wonder where God is when we hurt so much and we think that nothing is ever going to take that pain away. Where is God when we feel like all is lost? Well, those are very normal questions. Very human questions, and they're the same questions that Jesus asked because he felt the same way that we do. Where was God in the midst of his pain? Jesus was feeling so alone and so abandoned, so afraid and in so much pain that he cries out, God, where are you? And we're going to tackle that question, but before we do that, I'd like us to just step back a moment and remember that when we feel this way, it's usually due to circumstances that are beyond our control. And I think all of us can relate to that right now. Circumstances that are out of our control. As we 
watch a video instead of gathering with our church family at church. Things happen to us, and we often feel alone. We feel let down by God. I mean, we didn't choose to have our church or our schools or our workplaces shut down. We didn't choose to get sick. We don't choose to have our relationships fall apart. We don't choose to battle depressions or addictions or go through any kind of economic crisis. We don't choose these things. They happen to us. And at those times, we do wonder where God is. But with Jesus, it's different. Jesus chose a road in life that he knew would lead him to this place of feeling abandoned. He chose to carry a cross and come to a place where he knew he would experience the pain of isolation and feeling alone. And if you go back and look at the events that led up to the crucifixion, you see a number of moments where Jesus could have gone in a different direction and he could have saved his own life, right? Jesus could have left Jerusalem at the Passover when tensions seemed to be running high, but he chose to stay. He could have kept Judas from betraying him, but he let him go. He could have fled the Garden of Gethsemane during the night before the soldiers came to arrest him, but he remained there with his friends. He could have spoken up at the trial before the religious leaders, and he certainly could have defended himself before Pilate and Herod, but he chose to fulfill God's word and stand there silently. And so my point is that Jesus chose this road to the cross. He knew that the decisions he was making would bring him to this moment of feeling forsaken. So why did he do it? Why did Jesus choose this terrible road? Well, the answer is because he loves us and because he knew this was the road that was needed for us to have salvation. There's an old hymn, and some of you probably know it, and it it talks about this love of Jesus. And it says, What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear a dreadful curse for my soul? For my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Now, I'm not sure that the dreadful curse for Jesus was death as much as it was this moment of feeling abandoned by God. I mean, how painful it must have been for Jesus to feel so alone and so forsaken by his father. Remember, Jesus had a special closeness to God his entire life, a picture of the Trinity in perfect harmony, and yet he chose to let that go, and he chose to walk this road so that he would know how exactly we feel, and so that he could deliver us from sin and death. And so Jesus not only loves us this much, but he calls us to love others this much. As followers of Jesus, our love for others causes us to set aside what we want and what's good for us so that we can do what's good for others. And that's what it means for us to carry the cross, as he talked about. So this week, I've been asking myself, what does this kind of love look like? I mean, what, what, what does this amazing love, how does it come out in your life and in my life? And at first, as I thought about it, I thought this kind of love is rare and extraordinary. But then as I thought about it, I realized maybe it isn't. Maybe this kind of sacrificial love is all around us, and maybe we're able to live it out in our lives. And I thought that because I've seen it in our church family. 
I've seen it in you. People who this past year have given their Wednesday nights to be with our teens and our young kids. People who prepare food for funerals and family meals. People who give sacrificially to the church and to the poor in our community. I have seen the sacrificial love of Jesus in our church family. I realize sometimes in the midst of this sacrificial love, we may wonder, am I making a difference? Are we making a dent? Or, God, are are you in this situation? But we keep loving and we keep giving because God's wondrous love seen on the cross moves us to love others. It's not going to be perfect, but this kind of love is possible. I believe it's possible for us to give the same kind of sacrificial love to others as Jesus did. And when we do that, we're both experiencing and sharing the wondrous love of Jesus. And so when we hear this word of Jesus from the cross, we need to remember that he made a choice to be there. He made a choice to love others. And we need to make that same kind of choice. Now, let's go back to answer that question that this word from the cross raises. Where was God when Jesus felt abandoned and alone? Where was God when Jesus hung on the cross and died there? Well, some believe that Jesus, was on, when he was on the cross, that God turned his face away from him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when Jesus is on the cross, our sin is placed upon him. And in that moment, some believe that God, who is pure and holy and righteous, turns his face away from the Son. For example, uh, John Stott in his classic book, Basic Christianity, he says, Our sins came between the Father and the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was eternally with the Father, who enjoyed unbroken communion with him throughout his life on earth, was thus momentarily abandoned. He tasted the torment of a soul estranged from God. Bearing our sin, he died our death. He endured instead of us the penalty of separation from God, which our sins deserved. And so there are some, like Stott, who believe that in this moment, Jesus not only felt abandoned by his Father in heaven, but because of our sin, he actually was forsaken by God, even if it was only for a moment. There are others, however, who interpret this word of Jesus a little bit differently. And they ask, Does God ever really abandon or forsake anyone? They say, even when we willfully turn away from God and walk in sin, does God forsake us and turn away from us? And they ask that because the Bible is pretty clear that God doesn't do that with us. Read Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12, for example. Um, But we're going to talk about a few verses from this psalm that show this. Uh, Psalm 139, 1 through 12. If you read that, God is always with us. And when the psalms say that even the darkness is not dark to God, it tells us that even the darkness of sin doesn't keep God away. So, did the darkness of our sin placed on Jesus really force God away? Or did it just feel like it? You know, I'm not sure that I can be definitive in Jesus' case. But I can definitely say that whenever we walk through dark and difficult places, and whenever we willfully turn to sin, 
it feels like God has left us. But just because that's how we feel, it doesn't mean those feelings are real. Are you following me with that? Just because we feel something doesn't mean it's real or true. After all, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if God doesn't ever abandon us, then what do we make of this word from the cross? Well, I think it's important for us to understand that these were very honest words from Jesus. He was feeling alone like we all do at times. But these words were also a prayer for Jesus. This word to the cross is actually a quotation from Psalm 22, a psalm that would have been very well known by all the Jewish people who heard Jesus on that day. In fact, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The people would have immediately thought to themselves, why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? And they, they would not only have been able to recite the next line, that, but they probably would have been able to just finish the whole song. For you and I, it's kind of like this. If I said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You would say that saved a wretch like me. And you'd probably be able to sing the rest of the song as well, right? Or if I said, the Lord is my shepherd, you would immediately think, I shall not want. And many of you would be able to finish Psalm 23 as well. It was the same thing for the people who heard Jesus on that day. When they heard this cry of Jesus, they weren't just hearing how Jesus felt forsaken in that moment. They were hearing the entire psalm. So I think we need to look at the entire psalm to see what else Jesus was thinking and praying and feeling in this moment. And as an application or a next step to this message, I would encourage you to take some time to read through Psalm 22 and just reflect on all the things that are going through Jesus' mind and heart at this moment. Uh, but for now, let's just look at a few verses. Psalm 22, verses 6 through 8. It says, But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And then verses 12 through 18. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Wow. All of this is happening to Jesus. All these things are taking place as Jesus hung on the cross. So Jesus was actually living out this psalm. It was being fulfilled in his dying. Now, if that was all there was to this psalm, it'd be pretty depressing. But that's not all that's there. Look at Psalm 22, verses 3 through 5. It says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. 
Jesus may be crying out to God, asking where he is, but he knows that God is the one that is there to save him. Then look at verse 24 in Psalm 22. It says, For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. That might be the most important part of the entire psalm, and yet you don't hear that talked about. God heard Jesus when he cried out to him. God was there when Jesus felt alone and forsaken. God heard him when he cried for help, and God was there to save him. That's also what it says at the very end of the psalm. If you look at verses 30 and 31, it says, Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. This isn't the end of the story. He's going to be delivered. It's right there in Psalm 22. God hears Jesus when he cries out, and God is there to save him. And future generations are going to proclaim what he's done. Maybe this is why Matthew and Mark only record this one word from the cross. Because this one word not only shows us the humanity of Jesus and how he felt alone and afraid, just like we all do at times, but it also shows us that Jesus never gave up hope or faith because he knew God was with him and that deliverance was coming. So I've saved some application points for the end here. And you may have already noted these things in your mind or on paper, but very simply, in your life, how do you know that Jesus hasn't forsaken you? In your trials and in your pain, how do you know that Jesus hasn't forsaken you? And I would say, first of all, because Jesus understands your pain. That's my first point. Jesus understands your pain. He knows what you're going through. He's experienced himself And he understands. Secondly, the Bible makes clear that Jesus hears your cry. Second point, Jesus hears your cry. When you cry out to him, he hears you. He invites us to cry out to him with all of our pain, with all of our emotions. He may not answer instantly. He may not answer in the way that we want at the moment. But he definitely hears you cry out to him. So cry out to him. And lastly, you know that Jesus hasn't abandoned you because the Bible tells us that he loves his children and he promises his followers, I will always be with you. And so, friends, he hasn't abandoned you. Jesus will always be with you. Jesus will always be with you. And he is going to deliver you. He's going to be with you one way or another. God delivered Jesus through the crucifixion. He still had to go through it. He still had to die. But there was deliverance and life on the other side. We see that in Psalm 22, hundreds of years before it even happened. Life and deliverance was ahead. So when we feel abandoned and we think that everything is going against us, when we feel like God has let us down, we need to remember that, first of all, Jesus understands that feeling. He knows what it feels like. He gets it. But he doesn't let it get him. His cry from Psalm 23 reminds us that not only does God hear us when we cry out in despair, but God is coming to save us. 
No matter what the darkness or despair that we face in life, no matter what that is, no matter what we face today, God is here. And He is our deliverer. And He will do it.